Welcome to another episode of Mentor Musings. I'm JC, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, good morning, JC. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Let's get to work. Um, So, Brett, one of the things that we constantly get asked about with startups is the importance of branding. And people talk about this idea that they want to build the next Apple brand, that there's so much enterprise value and it's so important for acquisition. But one of the things that I think it's really important for, for founders to understand, and I'm curious to see where you stand on this, is to also prioritize their own branding. You know, especially earlier on in the venture, Part of what people are buying, investing in, or just believing in is you, the founder or founders. And so I'm curious, how important do you think personal branding and kind of the overall brand of the entrepreneur is relative to the brand of the venture itself? Yeah, I think it's critical might be an over (laughs) dramatization of it, but I do think it's super important because if you're looking to solve a problem, right, usually you're starting a business to solve a problem that's out there. Hopefully you're passionate about it and you have something invested into solving this problem, either something with you personally, something you found you can help other folks, but obviously you're going to have a passion around what you're starting, hopefully. Maybe not all the time, it, it happens, but I think the ability to start to to communicate that, especially in the early days, right? When it's still founder-led selling, you're selling with that passion, you're selling with that excitement, that enthusiasm. But one of the things that I I like to advise folks is start thinking about the next step, right? You've got to sell and get the momentum going in the early days. But as you start to think about a scale perspective, you're not going to be able to do that. So how do you start to get the word out and you know the I don't know, educate knowledge, et cetera, about what you're building. So long-winded answer again, but I do think it's it's important to start thinking about it early, uh, early and often. So curious if you have the same take or a slightly different take. I I would tend to agree. I think one of the things that a lot of founders are reluctant to do is to want to put themselves in the spotlight sometimes, because obviously it's it's an effort, it's an energy, it's it's an investment of emotion. Some people aren't comfortable with it. And even if you are comfortable with it, it's an exhaustive effort. I mean, and there's also a, a, a balance you have to strike. I mean, how do you know how much time to put into some of these activities? But to your point, Brett, there are some very practical benefits from building your personal brand, first and foremost, selling. You know, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs, when you're, whether you're selling a SaaS product or selling socks or, or whatever it is, um, you know, so much of what you're selling is a story. And the story starts with the main character and you are the main character. You know, what, what is what is Marvel Avengers without Iron Man and Captain America, right? I mean, so people want to know your story and how you came to be. Uh, because above all else, what people are adopting before any feature or value proposition of your product, it's, it's your story and your ability to deliver that story. So uh, definitely building your personal brand and starting to give you a comfortability and a platform to be able to deliver that story. And, and that's, again, your story is really critical. Brett, here's what I'm curious about. So we talk about the opportunity for sales. What are some things that founders can do to really build their personal brand reflective towards actually closing deals or generating leads? What are some specific tactics that you've seen work that that in building their personal brand, they are likely building towards capturing more deals, generating more leads and, and making more revenue? Yeah, no, it's a great question, but I do want to tie off kind of in the last point where you talked about the the brand and the personal and do you separate or do you not separate? And it just so happened I came across this um, 
post the other day, right? As, as brands become more human or they have to become more human, right? The folks that I work with and interview that have grown, right? From startup to scale up have almost always been part of that narrative, right? So their, their passion, their personal brand is part of what they're building with the overall company. And do you, if you think it's important or not, here's three folks. Elon Musk's Twitter following is double that of SpaceX and Tesla combined, right? Wow. So you're not just going to use your, your company's you know, mouthpiece in order to amplify what you're doing. Richard Branson's Twitter following is 10 times out of Virgin Brands. And then Sarah Blakely has 20 times the following on LinkedIn, LinkedIn compared to her Spanx brand. So those are three very high profile examples. But I think we're seeing that more and more where you have to be part of, you're humanizing your brand, right? And people buy from people and which is tying back to, I think that's, that's important. There's, um, you just can't go out and talk and say, hey, this is what we're doing. I think part of it is, is you know, the early content strategy that, t- that ties to your personal brand. And the thing that I advise um, founders all the time is, you know, start with the problem that you're solving, right? So you're, you're, you're adding value, like, hey, you know, you're talking about, hey, you're the story. Well, I think there's two pieces of that story. I think there's you that's helping your character solve their problem, right? So you're starting to sell this narrative of, hey, this is how, you can think about this differently. This is how you can solve that problem. And oh, by the way, you know, myself and our brand can help you do that. So I think that earlier, I don't think it's optional anymore, right? I think if you want to grow a business, you can do a nice lifestyle business, but I still think the personal brand and the content are going to be critical to any size business at this point. To answer your question, I kind of danced around it, but no, I think no, I got there. I'm, gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad we took a, a slight journey there because those statistics about those three founders, and I bet, Brett, if we go back and we look at pretty much every other company, so I know those are top tier, but I bet if we start going down to the secondary and tertiary tiers of, of businesses, we're going to see a similar trend, maybe different scale, but you're going to see that multiple effect where their personal you know, social media and, and kind of content engagement is, is even larger than maybe their company. And I think that underscores such a critical point and we talk about you know borrowing from strategies that have worked before i mean clearly there's something to this um and even if you're not the scale of an elon musk or, or richard branson um it, it's an opportunity for you to to borrow from them and say well there's clearly a reason these these really accomplished people are doing this one of the things that you mentioned there at the end that i want to talk more about for a second is content you know content obviously has a, a ton of benefits uh in terms of your personal brand and in terms of being able to transact on the sales side you know you said before it's about telling Telling that story, it's about what problem you're solving, the character you are in the story that's solving it, the character that your customer is, the why of what you're doing. There's all kinds of content platforms out there. I mean, I know you and I are very active on Twitter, we're active on LinkedIn. Obviously, we, we have a, a budding YouTube empire. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. But we're, we're very big about diversifying our content channels. So let me ask you this question, Brett. Do you have any ideas or tips on where you would guide an entrepreneur to start first with the platform? And then second, we can talk about uh, the content they're putting in that platform. Yeah, is, there, I mean, I, is there any difference or can they just choose one that they're comfortable with and, and move into that? I think the 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 broader answer is you know start with where your your target customers are where are they spending the most time right if it's you know Instagram for certain consumer brands or now TikTok is starting to grow and answer some questions but 
where I play a lot in the B2B space, a lot of it's going to be LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn and website, because I think the earlier you start building that content on your website, the easier it's going to be for the organic search, right? Because again, as people are starting to think about how to solve problems, that's what they're searching for is how do I solve this problem? They're not searching for features and benefits and those types of things. So um, there's kind of two, two advantages of building that on the web. One, you know, as a founder, you're hustling, you're having conversations, you know, with folks like you and I, you, you sell us your vision. Here's the product. Here's what I'm, I'm selling. But what are we going to do? What's the first thing we're going to do afterwards? Either maybe in what we're talking to them is go to the website and see, are they full of shit, right? Is this exactly what they're, and if your messaging isn't consistent with what that is, you've already lost credibility with you know, potential investors, potential customers. I'm not saying it has to be a, a world-class website, but again, I just, this day and age where Google and everything else is driving the organic and problem solving, you know, it, it has to start there. Cause if you, if people can't find you online, you're gonna, you're gonna lose. So I think in a roundabout way, there's, there's two ways. There's a personal side of it, right? So you're active on LinkedIn, you're talking about it, you're adding, and again, always about adding value. It's not bragging about yourself and doing these other things, but you want people to start to be able to find you, especially as you start to grow, starting from zero is going to be really, really difficult. And hopefully whether this company, this product or whatever you're working on works or not, you're starting to build that you know, database of expertise, right? So your next venture, you've already become kind of a thought leader in these these different spaces. So, you know, there's no shortcuts with this, unfortunately. It's just it's just getting and starting to put it out there. Yeah, Brett, you brought up a really critical point. And I think one of the big selling points that I always emphasize with entrepreneurs, you and I can attest, we all know how much time, energy, effort, I mean, shit, just at the end of the day, you just, can the world stop for one second? Can one decision be made? Can one action be taken that doesn't require your input? And I understand how easy it is to overlook something like networking, but for entrepreneurs who get into this this lifestyle and this career path and this professional pathway um, and, and they enjoy it and they, and they get value out of it, chances are you're not going to go back to work in a nine to five anytime soon. Right. So whether you win, lose or draw with this venture, chances are at some point in the future, you're going to launch another venture. There are a few things that you can do today in this venture as an entrepreneur that's going to absolutely pay dividends into the future. and building your personal brand and your personal network, which I want to talk about next, are, are the only things that are really going to pay those dividends. I mean, yes, the experience and, and going through the process, you're going, to, you're going to get some value out of that, but there's a direct line of sight into the value that you're going to generate from the content that you build, from the brand that you build for yourself, and then also from the network you build for yourself. Right, let's talk just for a little bit, Brett, about networking. And again, this is the easiest thing for entrepreneurs to overlook. They get into the process and they focus on their product, they focus on selling, and they think, well, if I'm not selling a product to a new customer or if I'm not you know, potentially going out and trying to pitch an investor, let's say, I don't have time for networking. How do we make the argument? How do we drive the point home that, that founders must start to prioritize continuing to invest in building out their network? How do we how do we emphasize that? And and then do you have any practical tips for entrepreneurs who are looking to do that? Do you, how do you do it, Brad? Like I, I bet people would be curious to hear how we network. I mean, what, how do you prioritize your networking pathway and continue to put time into it without it overwhelming your schedule or without just overlooking it? 
Yeah. I mean, again, from personal experience, right? I started too late. You know, historically, it would be networking. Hey, when I'm thinking about getting a new job or looking for something, then you start the outreach. And see, probably about four or five years ago, I just started networking, right? Taking meetings with folks that, that wanted to chat again. Make sure there it's it's aligns with with what you're doing, but you know the, the advice I would give is you just never know where one of these meetings are going to go. I had a, a call the other day with a company out of Kansas City that you know it's interesting. We'd met through a different group. Now all of a sudden we've got two potential business opportunities to to work together, and that wasn't even the intent of the call. So I know time is precious, but the bigger and the broader your network, and go out with the intent of helping right versus asking because there's going to be a time when you really do need help but if you spend more time giving as part of the network and growing and you're getting it's going to be much easier for people to say yeah i'd really like to help you now yeah you were there for me when i did that so again kind of broad i didn't give you anything <laughs> super actionable other than make the time to connect with folks you know with the day of zoom right now hopefully at some point in the not too distant future we can get back together but you know carve out some portion of your day to make sure that you're networking and expanding whether it's in like-minded groups through like 1871 where we're both involved connect with other people because you just never know where those conversations are going to go. Curious yeah, to I, your, your, your approach to this. Yeah, I, I, so my approach is similar. I, I think networking in a broad term is important, but I think don't overlook the value of networking with fellow founders. The fraternity of founders is such an untapped source of, of knowledge and access and emotion and encouragement. Um, a lot of founders think, well, if I'm going to network, I'm going to network with potential customers, potential investors. And again, those things are important. But one of the things that I advocate absolutely being consistent, making that regular investment, right? Don't make it feast or famine. You don't, you don't gorge on networking for two weeks and then starve yourself for two weeks. You, right. you eat a, a balanced diet of networking day in and day out or week in and week out. But one of the absolute best tips that I can offer is network with the fraternity of founders. If you're raising money, sometimes the best people to talk to are the founders who literally just raised, not the founders who raised two or three years ago, but the founders who just experienced that process themselves. If you're going through and, and launching your product and, and, and you're nervous about what that looks like and how to set customer expectations, talk to a fellow founder or founders who just experienced that and get their insight. And even if they're an entirely different market, even if they have an entirely different scope of focus or value, you'd be surprised at how much assurance you can gain and just little tips and, 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 you know, more comfortability that you're going to build with the fact that, you know, things are going to be, you know, maybe potentially ugly or, or or not go the way that you expect. But networking with the fellow founders is absolutely critical. So organizations like 1871, or if you happen to belong to like, say, Techstars, which I'm a part of, or any of these other organizations, just make sure that you're prioritizing networking with fellow entrepreneurs, because just like you are going to be going through a cycle of ventures, they are gonna be going through a cycle of ventures right. as well. And so the same dividends that you're gonna pay as you launch this venture and the next venture and the next venture, they're gonna be doing the same thing and going down the same pathway. Yeah. Um, and it also gives you an opportunity to network with people where there's not an imbalanced power dynamic. It can be nervous to ask sincere questions from potential investors or potential partners or people you don't know, or maybe people you wanna sell someday. How do, you, how do you express your concerns and your fears that we all have, the uncertainty we all have? It's difficult to do that when there's an imbalance in that power dynamic. So the other benefit of networking with fellow founders is that there's a much higher degree of, of openness or transparency or just appreciation for the uncertainty that you're facing day in and day out. 
Yeah. And what I would add to that, it's just not random networking saying, hey, let's chat over coffee, you know, have a purpose and a reason for the, the meeting, even if it's 15 or 30 minutes. And I found that to be so much more beneficial versus, hey, can I get 30 minutes with you, you know, to talk about what and less value when you do it that way. But if there's specifics, um, so much more beneficial. And then secondarily, leverage your, your network that you have to get other introductions because I connect founders all the time that don't know each other. And I can't think of a single time where I wanted to connect one founder to another that the other one said, eh, I don't have time or I don't want to beat him almost every single time it's been, no, I'd be happy to chat. And I provide a little context why I think it makes sense for them to meet. So it doesn't have to be cold outreach networking, leverage the folks you know to connect with with additional folks. But again, have, I don't wanna say have a plan, that's a little too much, but at least have an idea of what you wanna accomplish during that, that conversation. Absolutely. Connect with founders, have a framework for networking, prioritize consistent networking, and make sure that you know that this is going to pay dividends over multiple cycles of your venture and multiple ventures in the future. Can I give you one pet peeve? Please. Don't start the email by saying, hey, can I pick your brain? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know why that, that, that bothers me, but it's just one of those, you know, hey, I'm happy to share and those types of things. But and I don't know, maybe you have a different take on that, but that's just one of my, I don't have too many pet peeves but that's one of them no i well, I, I don't know that i get that one that much when people look to network but i would say this that it's important that if you're networking with someone have an agenda for that network that networking meeting it doesn't have to be strict but at least have a couple bullet points and express that whether it's in the email or at the onset of the conversation to say hey here are the three things that i want to talk about don't make it a 20-point agenda but but make it something that you can kind of use to guide the conversation so yes. that you both have an understanding of where you're going to go and then one other not pet peeve but just best best practice yeah. is always have a plan for a follow-up always end the call or follow up on the call with hey let's touch base again in a couple weeks or hey let me know when this happens or hey i'll let you know when this happens whether it's time-based or milestone based or whatever you want to continue to kind of network that or connect connect with that network connection as much as you can yeah no it's it's great advice and i, I love that and what's my, one of my mantras is have a plan right just have a plan it doesn't have to be super detailed as you said or sophisticated but have a plan <laughs> i think Absolutely. that's a good way to leave this week i don't know how we're doing on time <laughs> yeah I, I, ironically enough this was the episode where brett and i like, well, this will probably be quick and we've probably <laughs> gone the longest so okay everybody well we'll wrap it up there thank you as always for tuning in we really appreciate your your views share promote like comment and by the way if you're networking and you're watching this and you're not connected with brett and i on twitter and linkedin reach out and connect with us yep. right we're happy to network with more people we'll introduce you to our networks whatever we can do but um, thanks everybody for tuning in and until next time best of luck with your venture yep cheers cjc See you, Brett.